All spiritual growth is purely to consciously realize that we are all one and live every day in that positive mindset. The purpose of our lives is to complete an esoteric spiritual awakening and transformation where we are all consciously aware that we are one. The more we know about our higher selves intertwined with the universe and God as the essence of creation, the more meaningful it is to feel whole because we are one in the same. Everyone has energy within and the power transforms that energy into different vibrations and dimensions. Join Charlie May in the connection to self, your spirit guides and spirit angels. Ascend to higher frequencies, vibrations and other dimensions with the Spirit Guider. Welcome to the Spirit Guider. I'm your host, Charlie May. And today I have a special guest. His name is Yale Bowman. He is my friend, my mentor, and a person that you definitely want to meet. Your love life, your health, your career, you know, but then there's the also the even bigger questions, which is like your spiritual path, your life path. And over the years, people come in for a lot of different things, but the goal is to really sit down with someone and figure out what are they looking for? Do they even know they're looking for it or do they just feel lost or stuck? So I could sum it up into one phrase is I try to help people who feel lost or stuck or who feel like they're looking for answers and try to help them identify the path forward. And that's, you know, through a spiritual lens, but it's also through a personal lens too, because those things are really, this is as I'm younger and as I'm growing older. And, and so now I've, I've, I've definitely been a medium and it helped people connect with their loved ones. And that for me was a really exciting part of all this, right? Because I, I, I'm always a skeptic at heart, but a believer through experiences. Wait, I, I can only imagine what your spiritual journey has been like from day one. Well, I was always sensitive. And so as long as I can remember. And and when you mean sensitive just for people, um, sensitive to your surroundings and the energy around. Naturally, not really knowing what it was, not having any there, anyone there to teach me what it was. But I also found that to be difficult, right? Growing up in a world where I didn't feel like people got what I was necessarily going through. So things were intense for me. How when old I was were young. you? I mean, I can remember being being sensitive and open as long as I can have memories. So my first memories oh are my probably gosh. around like two years old for things like that. It, it, that being said, it wasn't refined. I've worked really hard to refine all that because when you're very sensitive and very open, it can feel chaotic. And that's what I tell a lot of empaths I work with. And I love working with empaths because I love watching them and helping them take what feels like chaos and overwhelm and then turn it into something meaningful and useful for themselves and others. You had these experiences. What did your parents think? Well, my, my first memory where it really stood out to my parents was seeing a full-fledged apparition in the backyard, right? And I remember the whole neighborhood was on high alert because they thought, well, it must have been a robber or someone experiences I had, right? And my parents didn't share a lot with me about what they thought, but I came to find out later as an adult, you know, my dad is really open and, and always had a lot of psychic experiences and oh out-of-body experiences kind of nightly. And so we've we've become to talk about that as adults, but people don't know how to talk to the kids about being open sometimes. Mm -hmm. And and I don't think there, there's a good place to start if you're trying to help them fit into the world. And I'm open. They, they each have their own way. You know, they each have their own way of being open. But I'd say generally, they're great mind readers. I mean, mm -hmm. kids tend to be good at that in general, but my kids are great mind readers. I mean, especially my six-year-old because he's more, more verbal and can express more of it. But now that my four-year-old's old, and talking a lot. He he 
constantly is reading, right? And so now he's telling me, we're going to get a new house. I'm like, uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh oh, yeah, it's coming. Do and not understand it from a, like a, you know, place where like it's something they saw on TV or in a movie, which I'm taking my time with that. I'm trying to let them understand over time and, and not, you know, try to put it in a For everyone else on the, on, you know, the person on the other side of the table, right? They see it as separate things. I always see it as looking at the essential needs of a person, looking at their energy, looking at what they need to know un- and understand to prosper and, you know, and feel abundant and, and, and connected in their life. So for me, it, it's an unnameable process, undescribable process. But I use words that society provides, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I, I do love using my five element system. And that is where I teach people about their energy type and talk about, you know, how can they use their energy type and awareness of all those five elements to bring balance into their life and to, um, you know, grow spiritually and personally, you know, to help them succeed in their jobs, their love life. Because when you know your energy type and you know how it interacts with the world, and I've seen some really wonderful things happen for people, especially as I've worked with them over time. Would you say that most people come to you looking for answers? I personally came to you looking for an answer. I was missing one piece of my puzzle that never made sense to me. I'm going to be honest, not having the piece of the puzzle where the puzzle was complete ached me every day of my life to where I didn't feel complete. It completed me. I cry to you every time I come in here because... Of you, I'm now complete. And do most people come to you looking for that? Well, I love every time you, you you describe that in spiritual, which I consider to be a grouping of both the personal and the spiritual and how they intertwine with each other. I do want to tell people I was missing the piece of the puzzle where I was so confused, not really in my spiritual journey, but one piece of the puzzle was where I fit in in this universe. I didn't understand why we were here. It bothered me and angered me that I didn't have answers. I love science. There are really never true answers that fulfilled me and gave me purpose to keep going. And I wasn't suicidal. I was, I'm the happiest person on the planet. Yeah, but I, I was, agree. <laughs> I was missing one piece of my puzzle. And the one piece of the puzzle that made it fulfilling for me was you telling me to read a book. Do you remember the book? Yeah, it was, um, I'm going to think if I can remember the title exactly. It was um, The Way, right? It was The Way. It was The Way. Yeah. And I was trying to think it was a longer title, but that, that's that's what I remember. Is it, is it a longer title than no, that? No, it's The Way. Okay. Yep. And it's about Kabbalah. Yeah, Or it Kabbalah, is. however you want to say it. However you choose to pronounce it, right? That made sense to me, mm-hmm. and that fulfilled my purpose. A little bit after that first meeting, I, I loved it because I I saw, like, the gears were turning and things were starting to come into place, and I knew that you were already, you know, very aware and connected, and, and I loved watching that piece, you know, so you could relax now that you had that piece, right? And I've, I've seen a lot happen since then. And, and we've had a lot of really fun and, you know, enlightening conversations since. Oh, yeah, because there were still a lot of questions I had that were unanswered. But, you you know, you provided all my answers to the questions. And I remember when we first spoke, you, <laughs> I tried to keep going in all these different directions. And, you know, it was probably chaotic in your mind because I was just going here and there and there and here. And then you said, you know. I think you just need to calm down, and I just want you to read this book. It's very simple. (laughs) Go buy this book and read it. Yeah. And I did. And it basically, do you want to tell people what the book is about? So the book, The Way, is about, it's basically the basics of Kabbalah. And like, okay, so I'm not a Kabbalah expert. I'll I'll be the first to say that. But I do find that I've, I've wanted to study everything out there. I also grew up Jewish, mind you. And I grew up Reformed Jewish, and I grew up also not wanting to get bar mitzvahed and going away from all that. 
And I always said if they taught about Kabbalah, I would have been at temple every day, right? Oh, yeah, I would too. Now, I'm not sure if my beginning of my journey would have began and just ended there, but I know that it was almost better for me reading it as someone who left the temple and like, you know, went on an individual path because I found that that if you look at the philosophy, it's really useful. And, and the philosophy behind Kabbalah is that there's basically these these channels through existence that you can go to the heart of things and that it's a way of rewiring your mind essentially to focus more on the essential one force that we all come from and there are also details and layers to that and even technicalities introduced but the basic philosophy is really great and for anybody who 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 wants to get right to the center of things it's a great study and it and i think it's it's worth saying that if you don't have someone to guide you through that you you have to be careful that you're a disciplined person because it can take you many directions there's so much info but the way is a really simple book it takes you right to the heart and the essence and it is um it was written by um the Ber- the bergs who who uh, the younger berg i think is yehuda berg and he is from the kabbalah foundation and i didn't know much about them till i read the book but he took the essentials things people would you know could use to thrive in life and so it's a great snapshot you know it's a great place to start it helped me tremendously it just made sense to me yeah. And when something makes sense and connects, I can then put my puzzle together. Yeah. And for me, it was seeing all of us as one with the universe. And I'm very scientific, so I love everything that has to do with the universe and, and energy and spirits. That really fulfilled me. There were still questions I, I had after I read the book, you know, because I don't like combining my energy with negative energy. I love to stay on a positive mindset with oh, the yeah, laws we, of attraction. We had to talk about that a little bit, didn't we? Yes. And I said, why do I want to be one? with all these other negative people out here in the world. Yeah. You had a very good explanation about the yin and the yang of the universe, negative, positive. It's always yin and yang. Right. Do you remember that? Right. And I think I think even more specifically, I said, hey, we're all, it, it's all within ourselves, right? If I don't deal with the negativity in me and I blame it on something outside of myself, well, we all have to do our individual work and we're joined in that. You know, it, it's not one person doing the work that's going to fix the world. One person can't ascend and stop dealing. It's we're all going to do this work on behalf of the world and the universe inside of ourselves. And that's going to raise, you know, for lack of a better term, the vibration. The vibration, Of everything, right? Oh, yeah, totally. So it's individual, but it's collective at the same time. What would you say to someone who is looking to be fulfilled? What do you tell people that are out there searching for something? That's a really good question. A lot of times, I think in this world, especially now, right, there's there's an emptiness we can all feel. And just chasing physical things won't fill it. And just chasing spiritual things won't fill it. It is really important to discover the first step, more than anything, what do you believe in? And I don't mean, do you believe in God or not? I mean, how do you believe all this works? You know, have some real experiences, right? And that can be done on your own. But it also, that's where me, the guide, comes in, right? It's good to have some experiences and figure out what you believe in. And sometimes that means looking at the life you've considered, you know, normal or mechanical and starting to ask questions. And I think that some of the most spiritually fulfilling things and personally fulfilling things are to ask yourself questions and become aware of what's going on in your life and, and ask, why am I doing this? What What is my driving belief system? What is it that I'm actually going toward? And, you know, I, I kind of take people through a program just around that idea in it of itself, which is what am I going toward? What am I creating? You know, and it's, it's more detailed than that. Do you also keep it 
positive mindset? Do you keep it focused around positivity, the laws of attraction with energy? Do you keep it in that kind of realm? Right, right. Because it's so easy and you need to do that because it's so easy to say, to say, what am I here for and what do I believe in? And then discover the meaninglessness of capitalism or greed. And, And it's so easy to fall into that. But that's why I say discovering what we believe in, because we do have to find out how to build a mindset that makes the universe a positive place that that is endeared to us and endeared toward existence you know we got to figure out how how to wire that into our brain and not just on a superficial level but a deeper level too and that's really the foundation of manifesting and positive mindset is getting to the subconscious and getting to the background programs right i do have a question do you think societal influences cause problems for us as humans. My personal belief has always been that somewhere the tangle of society is a tangle inside of us. And not saying that we're all dealing with those things in the same way that other people in society, like let's let's take something really extreme like hatred toward a certain group of people or, or closed-mindedness or whatever else. It's not like we're all carrying that. But I do think that it's something we're not going to work out alone, you know, and, and I think that might be, it might be hard to totally explain this in words, but I do believe that societal influence is something we have to be aware of it, right? We have to be aware if we're on a path not to be sucked into things that we know we've risen out of and we've, we've, we've tried to not take them into account. But it's also important to know that once you do that, you don't wash your hands of it, right? Mm-hmm. That we're still in this world where we have to try to do what we can for ourselves to be centered and then also be be mindfully involved where we can, you know, and, and, and be active toward bringing around the right conversations and shifts, if you will. So I have a question, and, I, you know, I, I don't know if you and I have talked about this, but and I want to know if you think it's okay for me to be doing this. Um, you're my mentor. I trust everything that you say, but I honestly try to not dip my energy into the drama of the societal earth. I try to keep my energy in a 5D and up yeah. rim. Do you think that's being crazy for me to do that or unrealistic? You know, it's, it's a question we as individuals, only ourselves can answer, right? Because while some of us are here to be, you know, educators, other people are here to be activists, other people are here to be lovers, other people are here to be fighters, I believe we all have skills, right? And I think it's about knowing, one, you know, there there is privilege in this world. You know, it is a privilege if we can avoid those things. But there are many ways to tackle issues out there. And I think, I think w- w- number one, we need to work on things within ourselves. And, but it may not be everybody's role to tangle in society. It's, it's when we lay down at night, do we feel like we have done everything we can? And we need to really search our soul for that answer. Have I done everything I can to promote things like equity? Have I done everything I can to promote things like positive change? But I know there's people that are going to do that through their writing. I know there's people that are going to do that through their advocacy, their activism. I know there's people that are going to do that by talking with their neighbors and calling, you know, calling, you know, new ideas into the, the active space and, and maybe even calling people out. Um, mm-hmm. I, I found that um, for me personally, this is the only way I can answer it maybe, is that I, I, I think I, I try to walk a balance between not banging my head against the wall where I feel like I'm not making an impact, but if I feel like I can make an impact somewhere, I make sure I, I do. You know? Oh, yeah. And I definitely, I try to help people to ascend to their higher selves I want people to know that there's hope out there. Yeah. And there's other things in this life other than the materialistic world. Yeah. And not to be held down by it. Yeah. I want people to have abundance within. But I also have to protect myself in this world. Yeah. So I try to stay in a little bubble in 5D or in a different realm to protect myself. 
And it's kind of a paradox. We got to live in a world. We got to be the best society member we can. And I do believe that. And I also believe that we have to also take care of ourselves and keep. And like anything, there has to be a balance, right? So I, I think that from from what I've, when I see knowing you, I don't I don't see you hiding out and avoiding the world. No. But I see that you want to make your impact and your change through helping people with new ideas and new inspiration. And I think that's valuable. Because when you go to solve a problem, you're not always directly solving a problem, right? Sometimes it's good to introduce positive nutrients into a soil rather than to, you know, strip it, for example. And so when you want something to grow in life, I think it's great to what you're doing. You want to introduce some positive things out there and and, and introduce positive things into people's lives. And that that is just as valuable as going out and entangling in society and battling with all the negative things where, you know, it, it's just how you approach those societal issues. And I think also if you think that by doing that and being, you know, quote unquote in your bubble, but by focusing on that, that you're not making an impact on society, you got to remember you are, you're just doing it in your own way. So you're choosing to be involved consciously in a way that, that you feel like you can make the biggest impact. Yes. And when I first met you on the phone that day, before you told me to read the book, you asked me one question. You said, what are you doing to help the world? Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't have an answer, did I? No, but you know, I, I didn't have an answer. That was sometimes questions in those situations are just to help people think differently, right? Mm -hmm. It's not like saying, hey, you know, you're selfish and living only for yourself. That wasn't why I asked it. It was more so Sometimes you can, at least for me, I can sense someone's on the on the precipice of something. And a question like that can really open a door. Even oh, it did. I was like, um, <laughs> you, you know, I got stuck in the in the question you asked me and I didn't, I didn't have an answer. Right. Not having that answer led me to something else down a different path to read the book and to right. find my way and to find my, my passions for why I'm living and what it does for me and how it makes me feel. I can't even explain it. Right. And when you asked me, you know, what would you suggest someone who's starting on their path and trying to open things up? Remember, I was saying it's about asking questions. So asking the right questions is, is, is sometimes much more valuable than having the answers. The answers we have, we have. But the right questions, they're where we're new. They're where we're being born, right? Yeah. It's a, it's Do you see people going down their path? Can you tell when people are going down the path that they wanted to be on or? Yeah. You know, and, and I think we all have our limitations and obstacles. And I've I've met people who I, you know, I sit down with them once like you and then I see things starting to go. And I've met people I sit down with a hundred times, right? And so... You know, it's it's important to, to recognize we all have our own pace. And I think that that has to do with the circumstances we came into. I don't necessarily like using the word karma because it makes it feel like it's out of our control. But there's no better word to try to describe all the circumstances surrounding our birth and existence. Some were out of our control. Some were in our control. We all have these different forces we're dealing with. So I think a lot of that can dictate where we're at on our path, you know, where we're going and, and how fast. But what I have noticed, like when I met you, when someone's ready – one question will open the door. You know, it's just one question. Sometimes it's just one one word, one book. It, nothing can stop you once you're ready. And I found that the other ingredient is just what you already have as well. It's, it's being committed to wanting that discovery mm -hmm. and, and knowing that even if things get in your way, you're not, you're not going to stop. I do want to talk about the yin and yang again. Okay. Because you say something that really sparks me when you say, you know, we're all trying – we're all – there's people out there who are trying to make a difference in society, but there, you're, you know, there are people that are doing nothing in society. Right. And you say it's always a balance, yin and yang. Is there always going to be a balance? Will it ever? T will the scale ever tilt 
to the good in your personal opinion? So I think maybe to, to answer that, I would say it's, it's hard to look at the world as a process of good when so many things are not good. But I, all I can say is I get up every day and I choose to look at the world as it is. And I choose to believe that it's on a path of growth and change because if I don't, I don't feel connected to anything going on. And I know there's wars being fought. I know there's people starving. I know it's not ideal, but I have to look at it and believe it through the lens and then be a part of it where I can, right? And of course, a big part of that for me is sitting down with people one-to-one -one and helping them on their journey. It's also trying to give back in the community. It's also trying to be a good neighbor, a good friend, a good family member, you know, a good dad and raise the next generation the way I think, you know, is going to be positive. But and maybe that's that's a non-answer, but hopefully that's the, that's the answer I have. You know, oh, it's no, about you... getting up and, and saying, hey, it is a process of good. Good requires some faith, too. I want to take it on a larger scale of the universe because when I first came again, I was really stuck on on this universal being and, and the oneness and the connection to with the divinity as a whole. Right. Will the universe always be yin and yang? You know, there's always forces balancing each other. So I'd say, yeah, there's always forces balancing each other. And, and I think we see that in nature. You know, we see the, the storm collects and then it rains and then it pours and the sky is released and the sun dries. There's always cycles, right? And I think beyond what we as mere humans could probably understand in our human mind, Mm -hmm. that those cycles exist on the energetic level. And and one day science may even begin to crack into even more deeply what does it mean to be part of a universe or even a multiverse or, you know, a dimensional plane, you know. And what we'll probably see is these cycles continue through fractalized patterns and things like that. So I think when you look at the yin and the yang, the, the whole concept of yin and yang, of yin and yang is that it came from the primordial in that, these forces, you know, are, are creating balance and, and then slowly they, they come into, you know, form and bring in the physical world in some way and, and we see that balance there. But it, it can be masculine and feminine, it can be alpha and omega, it can be, you know, good and evil, but although yin and yang I think is much more complex than that. But you're always going to see some opposing forces, at least from the human perspective. When we get out of that, we do get to see oneness. We get to see behind those forces there is, um, there, there's a, a, a joining force. You know, there's a point where everything came from. And when, when, we, when we were talking about the way, we're talking about at Kabbalah or any other mystical thought system as a way to get back into an awareness of the one. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as humans, we are limited to getting to that awareness of the one and staying there ever present always, but in striving to be aware of that. And, and to come to terms with separateness and opposing forces, a lot of growth happens. It's, it's living in the paradox. Mm -hmm. And you said that right. As humans, we are so inclined to find in ways that we are different that causes us struggles when in reality we're really the same. And that's what blows my mind. Why don't we see ourselves as one? Why doesn't everyone come together as one? It, you know, that's what saddens me. Right. And there's so many ways to approach a conversation like that. And it, it, it could go on. And so, and so for, for days, we could talk on that topic alone because oh, yeah. there's the personal level, there's the societal level, there is the philosophical level, then there's, you know, the energy level and things like that. And all those are significant because if we ask the, the person who's oppressed, why can't we all be one? They have the right answers, right? And if we ask the person who is 
you know, running world governments, why we can't all be one, assuming we could trust them. They, they probably can tell us about the politics and the limiting things. And if we ask the world of energy why it can't all be one, we see that certain forces need to work with each other and sometimes mm -hmm. against each other. Um, but it's, it's funny because all these, all these levels of existence, they're true. But they're, I, I've come to find that the meaning of existence, if it was all one, there would be no, there would be no conscious existence. What, what would we be here experiencing if it was all in, in a point of oneness? You know, that, and, and they say in, in most mystical schools of thought that oneness left itself to experience, you know, and grow. If you could compare it to AI as it advances and develops, you know, if it, if it leaves a central point and it goes to develop intricacy. And if there's a, there's a reigning intelligence, that my, one of my favorite examples is probably um, when I was reading a book, because I'm a palmist too, like I read palms and it's one of my, my kind of like interests and, and I've used it to also guide people. And I was reading a book on Vedic palmistry, you know, palmistry from India, if, if someone's not familiar, and saying that they were describing the Big Bang before scientists were, saying consciousness started in this dormant state, the Big Bang occurred, it all comes into formative existence, like planets and, you know, galaxies, and then eventually an Earth that can support life, and then eventually a human being. And the crazy part about this, right, the, the part that really blew me away is in this book, it describes, well, the human being comes to awaken and think back on God or that source of oneness and, create, and, and creates a link in that loop of consciousness coming, forming all these things over thousands of years just to think about itself. Amazing. But you think it's mirrored us in us as humans. What's the name of that book? I would have to get it for you. you got to give me that book. <laughs> yeah, I would have to get it for you. There's, there's a lot of palmistry technical knowledge in there, but there's a lot of, you know, um, Vedic thought too which is interesting to read. Okay, so I have a question. Sure. Is there an end? Is there an end? In what way? Energy never dies. We know this about Einstein. Yeah. Is there ever a positive ending for humanity? And I'm not talking, you know, I believe in energy never dies. We go into a different form. I yeah. do believe in different realms and But you mean as far as if you look at a philosophy like, is there, a, like when, when people talk about heaven or if Kabbalah, you talk about, you know, collecting all the fragmented pieces and returning them back. You know, I, I prefer to not think about what the end goal is. I just find it to be absolutely mind-boggling and futile as an effort. And, and I, I don't say that in a bad way. I say that because if I spend my time thinking about where we're going, if I, I'd rather think about myself as part of the process. That's where I feel like I'm healthiest. Um, and that's where I feel like I show up best in the world. If I think about ascension, uh, you know, I, I made a pact with myself a long time ago. I'm not going to think about ascension. And, and I don't love the word. Um, for me, ascension is something. And I think we're, we need to be careful in spirituality not to adopt things from religion without questioning them. When you see ascension, you see... It, it comes from religion, and religion has been known for population control and, and in some ways mind control. And I have nothing bad to say about people who are religious, but I, I, I would say anytime we believe something that's widespread, we're careful, right? The idea of ascension has always bothered me because I'm much rather concerned with, like we talked about, what are we doing while we're here? Yeah. At that point, does it matter, you know, to, to be really connected with something conscious and open? I think, does it really matter where we're going? It's about the journey. You know, as, as, I think if I trust the words of people as experiences, my own experiences and anything that's meant anything to me, it's always been about the journey and, and about having that to be a positive journey and to ripple out with positivity in that journey as much as we can. That is well said. And I have to say, 
for me, there there is no ending. Yeah. I know my energy is going to carry on. Yeah. I'm going to – I think people like to think of an ending where they're in a state of enlightenment. Right. Continuously. And um, for me, I feel like I'm living that now. You know, if you reach an enlightening moment, I think the most important thing to tell someone who has that is that that's the first of thousands and millions of moments you'll feel that way. Exactly. Because what anyone will come to find, I just like to say it's like walking into the ocean. You're always going to find a deeper part. You always find something deeper if you were to walk at the bottom of the ocean. You'll think you've hit the very bottom and you'll go deeper and deeper. And and I don't believe enlightenment's a state. I believe it is kind of a, a commitment to yourself. It's It's a commitment to do the work too. Oh, yeah. and, and be aware. Being aware is not is not easy. Anyone who knows who started being aware would love, you know, they would love to go back, but they never would because it's mm-hmm. work. You know, it, suddenly you're going to see yourself. You're going to see the world clearly. That's beautiful and it's difficult. <laughs> Guys, Yale is fantastic. I'd love for you to tell the listeners where you're located and what you do and where they can find. You. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about like where where I am and what I do. I'm in Indianapolis, but I work with people anywhere because I've been doing Zoom. I do Zoom now. I've been doing phone and Zoom readings for a long time. And I do Zoom readings for anyone anywhere. But I'm in Indianapolis and I meet with people at the Playful Soul where my space is. And the best way to learn more about me is on my website, which is www.relevantreadings.com. And of course... It's easy to misspell, and I misspell it, R-E-L-E-V-A-N-T. And on my website, I've got info, and I've got videos. When you go through, the, when you start to, click, start to click the booking button, it will take you through videos and tell you a little bit about me and what I do. And I've, I was never someone into technology, mind you. I love technology because it lets you um, connect. And so that's that's where I found my love for technology, my love for being online. So I provide services, you know, and, and they're all grouped into that Awaken Reading service. That's where you meet and we meet each other and we figure out how to progress forward. And then we decide, you know, do we meet again? Do you just need that one piece and to move on? And, but I, I've worked with people one-off and I've worked with people in ongoing. And, you know, a lot of my clients I've worked with for years and years now. Um, and, and you're holding classes. Right. I'm holding some classes. I'm, you know, COVID happened. And the pandemic is, is still, in a lot of ways, happening and affecting day-to-day life. So I've been easing back into what does it look like. I want to get people together in person, but I've done some online classes too. The upcoming one is a winter solstice. Rich, I like to call it a ritual. It's really about how to learn how to do that transformational alchemy within yourself and get connected with your higher self and, and learn how to step into that that mode of manifesting and connecting with the universe and, and creating the life you want to live. And I thought... The portal of a solstice was a great time to do that. And also, you know, fun. It's fun to do something meaningful on a day like that. Oh, yes. So. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. This is a lot of fun. I love getting the chance to talk with you and, and share a little. My mentor, my friend. This is The Spirit Guider with Charlie May.